The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you? and not against you. With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. This is Bloomberg Daybreak here for this Tuesday, the 13th of June in London. Coming up today. Another headache for the BOE. Unemployment unexpectedly drops as wages surge. Reshuffling the deck, the boss of Barclays tells us an exodus of top bankers was driven by a decision to refocus the business. Stepping back, Goldman Sachs' international CEO tells Bloomberg the bank is ending its relationship with OD Asset Management. Plus, getting a leg up, Arm looks to Intel as an anchor investor for its US IPO. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning from London. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Tom McKenzie. You're listening to Daybreak Europe. Now to the top stories around the world. Britain's labour market unexpectedly tightening then, as Caroline touched on, adding more fuel to the UK's inflation crisis. The unemployment rate fell to 3.8% in the three months through April, defying economists who had forecast it rising. Co-CEO of EJF Capital, Neil James Wilson, says the surprise will add to the Bank of England's fears about persistent inflation. This is a very hot print. Um, so it's not surprising at all, you know, that that uh, you would expect that the BOE is going to increase rates. I think you do have a different dynamic here. Um, I, I would point out that over time, uh, that that labor data tends to be a lagging indicator, um, and so it usually is the last economic data point that really uh, comes down when the central bank is raising rate. Neil James Wilson added the UK's now moving in the opposite direction to the US ahead of the Fed policy decision. The data also showed the number of people in work past pre-pandemic levels for the first time hitting new highs. The UK had been the only G7 nation where employment and hours had not fully recovered. The Barclays CEO says that a reshuffle in its investment bank has led to more top deal makers than usual leaving in recent months. CS Venkatakrishnan replaced the heads of his investment banking arm uh, earlier this year, moving one to Europe as the bank shifts focus. He told Bloomberg's David Weston the move is about looking ahead to the next decade of banking. So what you've seen is rising interest rates, changing business models, the importance of sectors that are fairly new to the economy, not just technology, 
but sustainability, mobility, climate tech. We began with a very American investment bank here in the U.S. based from the Lehman acquisition of Barclays. And we've grown in Europe. We wanted to put more emphasis in Europe as well. Ben Katakrishnan is head of the world's largest non-U.S. investment bank. He's been trying to stem an exodus of talent in recent weeks as rivals try to poach dealmakers. Staying on banking, and Goldman Sachs has told Bloomberg that the bank is ending its relationship with OD Asset Management. The news comes as the hedge fund grapples with the complexities of divorcing itself from its founder. Speaking exclusively to our editor-at-large, Francine Lacroix, Goldman Sachs International CEO Richard Nodi had this to say on the matter. We hold ourselves to extremely <clears throat> high standards and, and we expect the same of our client base. And, and that's how we work together in partnership. And so you know, when new information you know, comes to light in any situation, we'd obviously review it and review it quickly and, you know, and then you know, take the appropriate action. So what, you, you've severed ties or are you still contemplating what happens next? We, we're in the process of, of moving away from, from that business. Richard Nodi's comments come after the FT reported on a number of allegations of sexual assault by OD Asset Management founder Crispin Odi. He denies all the, all of the allegations against him. Now, bond traders are underestimating the drop in inflation ahead of today's US CPI data. That is the view from Citibank strategist Raghav Datla. He expects a miss to the downside as the market comes off two straight lower than forecast prints. Meanwhile, Fitch Ratings head of US regional economics, Olu Sunola, says that things are heading in the right direction. The trend line is certainly positive. I think when you look at shelter inflation, which is the biggest component in terms of CPI, the expectation is that that would trend down over the coming months. And that's because market rates have actually come down and market rates tend to lead uh, that CPI component. Olu Sonola there speaking to us. The CPI report at 1.30pm London time today comes just the day before the <coughs> Fed's policy decision, with traders betting officials will hold interest rates steady. Uh, UK-based chip designer Arm is in talks with Intel to anchor its New York initial public offering. Arm, which is owned by SoftBank, is looking to raise as much as $10 billion in what will be one of the largest IPOs this year. If the talks succeed, Intel will be included in Arm's IPO prospectus ahead of the listing. A government plan to bring in voluntary price caps on food has been rubbished by one of Britain's most experienced retailers. Archie Norman, the chairman of Marks & Spencer, didn't mince his words when we asked him about the idea here on Daybreak Europe. I mean, dear, oh dear, I've heard some harebrained ideas come out of the political world in time, and that's one of them. Essential foods are coming down in price. The, the market is taking them down, but they're coming down in price as <coughs> we speak. And we all know price caps don't work anyway. We learned that under Edward Heath. Norman also criticised the UK's Competition and Markets Authority. He told us that the CMA, which is investigating the price of groceries, quote, hasn't got anything right for about three decades. And those are our top stories this morning. OK, and in terms of some of the most read stories on the Bloomberg Terminal right now. Top of the list is, is what China's doing in terms of stimulating its economy. That's mm. a Bloomberg scoop. Uh, there's also an interesting story as you think about your travel plans for the summer. Apparently the incidents of air rage uh, have, have increased quite markedly. So a number of incidents uh, ticking up as, as people travel. The airlines are benefiting still from this kind of post-pandemic boom and the demand over the summer, but maybe a bit of a warning around, yeah. around tempers.
on airlines. One disorderly incident reported for every 568 flights in 2022, um, so up sort of significantly. Look, I wonder whether it's tied, though, to be honest, to other kind of behavioural issues. I think it was. it is one of the unexpected consequences of the lockdown. You know, the lack of sociability maybe has made us more aggressive or maybe it's just an airline-specific industry issue. And demands maybe people are paying a lot more for their tickets. Not maybe. to justify, not to, to ex- justify, excuse this behaviour, but maybe expectations when you're paying this premium 30, 40, 50% on what you would usually pay and expectations about the service you get. Again, not to justify some of the, some of the behaviour that's outlined in this story. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, it's one being well read on the Blue Bag Terminal as we get up to whew, a heated 29 degrees Celsius in London. Uh, anyway, talking of the UK, the labour market issue. Uh, we got the data out this morning and we now know that the jobs market tightened unexpectedly in April as wages shot up and unemployment fell. Joining us now, Bloomberg Senior UK Economist Dan Hansen. Good morning, Dan. Thanks so much for your time today. Bloomberg Economics now sees a hike in August as well as in June after this jobs data. Why aren't you as hawkish, though, as the markets right now? Yeah, morning, Caroline. I think that's that's a really good question. I mean, one thing just to just picking up on what you said there, I think something that was really interesting about the data this morning was the revision to the payrolls number. We had, if you remember back last month, we had this massive drop in payrolls, and that's now been revised away. So I think that's um, that's sort of the big one of the big bits of news for us out of this, and why we've um, shifted our call uh, a little bit higher. Um, why are we not as hawkish as the market? Well, I think. A couple of reasons. One is I think the bank is going to be, the Bank of England is going to be cognizant that a lot of what it's done hasn't hit the economy yet. Um, Its most recent estimate is about a third of its tightening to date has hit the economy. So there's a lot more still to come. And we're seeing a lot of disruption in the mortgage market um, at the moment. And that's one area that it's still feeding through to as people roll off fixed mortgages, fixed rate mortgages. Um, And I think the other thing is that there's there is going to be some respite, more respite on the inflation front, at least the headline inflation front through energy prices. So I think those two things together will give it the Bank of England at least some room to take stock in September. Um, Though I think the risks are clearly the clearly to the upside, particularly following today's report and particularly following those pay numbers, which are far, far stronger than we or any other economists have been expecting. Dan, give us the, give us the latest thinking then in terms of in terms of peak rates from the BOE from from you and the team and how long they hold at that level. Yeah, so I think I mean there's there's a question here as well because we we had our first cut penciled in in the second quarter of 2024. I think that's the risk there again. It's looking increasingly like we're going to get to a very high terminal rate in the UK, at least relative to what people were thinking at even two or three months ago, you know, people were talking about a 425, four and a half peak rate. We're looking at somewhere between 50 and 100 basis points above that already, based on two or three sets of surprising inflation and pay data. And I think there's the risk then is that the bank has to just sit at that level, potentially through the course of 2024 as well, um, just to bring down inflation. I think the the interesting dynamic that's emerging here as well is that we've got rate forecasts going higher, we've got market rates going higher. But if you look at the Bloomberg story on the terminal yesterday, we've got economists saying that mm. recession looks further away, recession looks less likely. Actually, for us, yeah. it's now becoming more likely because of what needs to, what appears that will need to be done 
to, to bring inflation back under control. It might be that the bank needs to force the issue by weakening the economy so much that a recession does actually come to pass, albeit okay. later than anyone had been expecting. Dan, yeah, very interesting. Okay, so the 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 machinations, it's still pretty volatile, isn't it, in terms of what may happen for the UK. Our Bloomberg senior UK economist Dan Hansen taking us through the jobs report. Now, Silicon Valley Bank UK has been rebranded as HSBC Innovation Banking and aims to help tech and life sciences businesses grow. It's going to operate in the UK as well as the US, Israel and Hong Kong. The launch comes after the lending giant bought SVB UK for just a pound in March following the collapse of its California-based parent firm. Well, a little earlier, I spoke to the former SVB UK CEO and now the head of the new entity, Erin Platts. Here's what she had to say. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. The last uh, last three months in March was a you know very very difficult period, and it was a um, I would say bank run. It, it moved very very quickly. So being here in the UK, um, we were working with some U.S. colleagues on Thursday. Um, Friday became uh, you know woke up Friday, opened the doors. Um, it was a, a slower burn than what we saw in the U.S., but it was clear by Friday afternoon when the U.S. parent um, was taken over the, by the FDIC that um, that we would continue to see some issues here in, in the U.K. Um, and, and as you know, the SVB business focused on innovation companies. Our whole premise was to make clients' lives easier and to support them. So to be the cause of such a stressful weekend was was really challenging. Do you think was it a case of the mothership bringing down the UK subsidiary? or are there things that you reflect back that, that you and the team could have done differently to mitigate some of the downside? Yeah, I mean, the, the U.S. business was, was clearly um, under a lot of pressure on the Thursday and Friday. And given the same brand, um, uh, we, we really did suffer from, from what was happening in the U.S. Um, and we, you know, we were hopeful to open the doors on, on Monday, given the strength of the U.K. business. We were a separate legal entity. Um, but as things transpired over the weekend, and the reliance on the U.S. parent, it was clear that that wasn't the right decision. So we worked tirelessly over the weekend with the aim to make sure that we could do everything possible to uh, allow our clients to continue to operate on Monday morning and to save as many of, of the jobs and our amazing yeah. employees that we could. And obviously tangible relief across the UK tech sector, of course. Mm. You've rebranded. It was launched yes. yesterday. You're now the head of uh, HSBC Innovation Banking here in the UK. Talk to yeah. us about how you fit the culture, that thrusting, driving culture, that tech-focused culture of SVB into the legacy bank that is HSBC. How do you how do you meld those two cultures? Yeah, well, a couple of things. So we're super proud of the name HSBC Innovation Banking that was really co-created with our clients. Um, early stage companies, venture-backed businesses, public and private corporates, VC and PE funds. And we purposely um, wanted to make it a name that would resonate globally. So UK, US, Hong Kong, Israel, Nordics, where we have teams on the ground. Um, and it's been exceptional to see the pace and agility that HSBC 
has moved, not just the weekend in March, but since that since that date. Um, and as Ian and, and Noel have been really vocal, we're going to keep the business together. We're going to keep the team together to ensure that we maintain that agility and that focus on innovation businesses, but then also bring the best of HSBC. Um, it is incredible to, to see the, the size, scale, stability of that platform. And it's really accelerated the plans that we had in UK and Europe by at least five years. Wow, okay, at least five years in terms of accelerating those plans. Are you, are you actively trying to get existing HSBC technology customers to move into your part of the business. Is that is that something that you're working on as well? You no, know, we're, we're trying to do what's right for the clients, to be to be honest with you. We've got uh, a lot to do um, in terms of continuing to take care of the existing client base. We've seen wonderful demand, especially after yesterday launching the new brand. Um, and if there's innovation businesses within HSBC that need a particular product or service, we'll be very, very happy to provide that through the uh, Innovation Bank. And you've got staff here in the UK, of course, the Nordics as well, yes. Israel. Noel Quinn talked to Bloomberg yesterday saying that he's keen to expand into continental Europe, you're part of the business. Do you align with that and are you looking to add headcount? How aggressively do you want to move on to continental Europe? Yeah, one of our, uh, the vision and ambition, which um, after the, the last couple of days I think has only grown um, to be even stronger, is we really want to be wherever there's pockets of innovation, talent and capital. And what we're seeing from a, a European um, innovation economy perspective is a lot of strength and excitement. So over time I think um, absolutely we're working with the team to, to find out where there's the pull from the clients to make sure that we can set up um, wherever that might be across Europe or, or globally. So we've got a lot to do. Um, yeah. Day two of the rebrand, but uh, you know, watch this space. Uh, HSBC obviously has a massive footprint in, in Asia, consequential for, for the overall group. Mm. Uh, HSBC Innovation Banking, largely kind of Western tilt so far. Does, does Asia become a big play as well for, for, for that part of the business? I think over time, absolutely. Again, Noel has been really vocal about wanting to take this business and this brand global to benefit our clients. And, um, you know, starting with Hong Kong, I think makes a lot of sense. And then again, we'll see post that um, where else we go. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.